right, take your copy of God's Word, turn to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 4. At this point, you have no clue where we are in the book of Acts as far as our study. But we uh, finished up, I believe, last time at the around verse 22, talking about John and Peter as they had uh, gone through the before the Sanhedrin, as they had been uh, threatened in their proclamation. Basically, they were told, no more talk about Jesus. No more, we don't want you teaching about him, we don't want you mentioning his name. And remember, it was at that point that they made this statement that whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge, for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. That's what Peter and John said. That was their response, is that we have to simply speak about what we have seen and what we've heard, the experiences that we've had. Now, that's a believer. I mean, a believer who has so experienced the work of Christ in their lives, they have so experienced who he is that they must speak about his identity and about his mission, about his purpose. The scripture says that as they were let go, in verse 23 is where we'll pick up tonight, being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. So when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord. Notice here, Peter and John, they've stood before the Sanhedrin. They boldly proclaimed the name of Christ. They've said that they're going to continue to proclaim the name of Christ. And then we are told that they come back to the gathering of believers to that early church to make a report to them. Now, tonight, I want you to see, as we work through this, another snapshot of this early church. That's what Dr. Luke is trying to give us, I think. Just different snapshots of the life of the early church. And as we see the early church, the New Testament church, we help to re- I think it helps us to refine our focus and our purpose, the reason we exist. Because even though we've moved now some 2,000 or so years, almost 2,000 years later, we still share the same purpose as the New Testament church. We still have... The same reasoning, same rationale for our existence, we have the same purpose. And you begin to see it in these snapshots. And here, Luke just shows us a church that is gathered. A church that is gathered. Now, again, when you look at this, obviously, they are physically gathered together. When Peter and John go, it's as though they know where they're supposed to go and they are coming. Not, I don't think this is just to the other apostles here. They are coming to report to the church those early believers that are there. And the church is gathered. Now, one of the purposes of the church is to come together in a collective body for worship and fellowship Really, one of the key purposes of the church is to gather. I mean, look through the book of Acts, right? They are gathered together, whether they're at Antioch and they hear the voice of God or whether they're in Jerusalem, wherever they are, in a local body of believers, they are gathering together, gathering together physically. It's a challenge for us as a people. I mean that God would gather us together physically. Here we are tonight, right? We're at least, we're going to talk about the other aspects of gathering together. But tonight, everybody in this place can say, I have gathered here physically, right? 
like I said, you may not be with me mentally tonight, but you are here physically with me. And that's one purpose, one um, of the purposes that God gives us within his church is to gather together physically. Why would we want to do that? I mean, aren't there so many other ways in which we could experience God's truth? And I know you wouldn't want to admit this, but but aren't there many other preachers on TV that you could listen to, that you could get more things? I mean, it's not about that. You know, you could sit in and you could listen to the maybe the music, maybe, maybe you got CDs, don't you, Miss Margie? Don't you? It's okay. Yes, you do have CDs. You could get a CD of Miss Margie. You could listen to her. You could do all those things. So why in the world would I need to come physically together? And I would say to you, why did the early church have to gather physically together? There was something about coming together as a people physically. And we're going to talk about the experiences they had and the reflection that they had. But there was something that seemed to be very important about physically gathering together with believers. There's something about it because later on in Hebrews, what does the writer say? He teaches us and says to us that we need to really make sure that we do not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. And he even notes, especially as that day of the Lord approaches. Because as the day of the Lord approaches, you're going to need more encouragement. and You're going to need more people. So it is important to come together physically. I think we need to be reminded of that from time to time. That God has given us a great opportunity to gather with the family of God. And we ought to take advantage of those opportunities. Obviously, I'm preaching to the choir tonight, right? This is Sunday night. Some of you look at me and say, why didn't you do this this morning? Some of those folks needed to hear this this morning. But I believe tonight, as we come to this place, we need to be reminded that it is important for us to physically gather together. And you know what? I think we ought to um, give God our gratitude for allowing us the freedom to be able to do this. And also the health and the energy to be able to do this. Obviously, God has granted us a freedom, unlike other areas of our world, where we can come together in a public manner. We can come together in this place physically, and we can worship together. But not only that, just as I said a moment ago, think of the health and the energy. There are times um, when I visit folks in the hospital, or maybe... um, run by Alpine or another place, assisted living. And I'm reminded, I see individuals that would love to come with the people of God on Sunday morning, Wednesday night. I see them. And there's a longing there for that physical touch. Yes, they can watch. They know what's happening because they watched us on television on Sunday morning at 9 o'clock. But there's something different about coming together physically that they long for. 
And that's the reason, again, I think we need to be reminded, this early church, it was a regular routine thing that they were coming together physically. In a world that is so connected, I believe we have lost true connections. In a world that is so connected technologically, we sometimes have forgotten the physical, personal touch that we so desperately need. And we find it in the church. It is so much better for me to, I think, see you personally and speak to you personally, for example, on a Sunday, as opposed to me just texting you or calling you, right? It's much better. Absolutely it is. I I would rather any day to come into the church here, right here, and look at Mac Estes and say, Mac, I'm going to kill a deer in a neighborhood. Are you good with it? Because most likely he'll respond positively in the church. Or at least he'll be nice about it. As opposed to simply a phone call. There's something about being together physically. And let me say this to you. When you come, like on Sundays, you are called to also engage, I think, with other individuals. God has not called you to come, to sit, to soak, and to sour. God's not called you to do that. He's called you to engage with other people physically. You can talk to other people. It's good for you to do it. Well, I'm just not talking. I'm not an individual that does it. What if God would use you to touch somebody else's life personally in a conversation. Maybe, hey, maybe it's right before service. Service is about to start. Most of you got here. Never mind. You got here at one minute till probably. But some of you got here at a quarter till. People in here. It's a nice opportunity to be able to go across and speak to somebody and engage physically. With them, personally with them. Well, I don't know them. I don't know who they are. All I know is they're in my seat. God has allowed us the opportunity to gather physically, personally together. And we need to take advantage of that. When you see the early church, they're coming together. Peter and John, they come back to a group that's united they know where they're going to be. They know the location. Somebody. They know that people are there. Here they are. They come knowing that they can speak to the believers. So they were gathered. Together physically, but I want you to see that they're gathered and they're united. Not only physically, but they're gathered together spiritually as well. It says in verse 24, So when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord. I do not believe here that means that they were reading the same rote prayer. I don't believe that they were just speaking the same exact thing together as a congregation. I think what it means is that they are coming together with, with one purpose, with one mind, that they are not only together physically, but they are together spiritually. Verse 32 attests to this, I believe. It says, Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. 
Notice that they shared something together. And it, it was something that ran deep within them, in their spirit, in their heart, in their mind. It was as though they shared something together as they came as the early church. They gathered together physically, but they gathered together spiritually as well. See, that's what makes us a little different than other clubs like a civic club, isn't it? I'm all for civic clubs. I'm all for other kind of societies and all for all kinds. We're starting a new chapter here in Ruston now. The old Miss bandwagon chapter, if you want to get on. It's all about, it's great to have all those groups. But listen to me. It's nothing like the church. And it shouldn't be. You can have a good time, you can have fellowship, but you don't share the same thing. You don't share the same ideals. You don't share the same principles. It is only within the church of the Lord Jesus where we've been brought together by the very blood of Christ where we see a common purpose and plan and values and salvation. That is what unites us together and it's what makes us so unique as a people. So distinct from other individuals that we're part of the church. And we can come together spiritually united with one purpose, one heart, one mind. I say that should help us as we come to worship that we are focusing on the things that we should focus upon. It's a challenge to us to be more intentional in our worship. When you read through the prayers we're going to read in a moment, you can tell that they were focused on what God was doing. They were focused on God's activity and upon God's work within their lives. And they were, they were intentional about their worship. We ought to be intentional and focused and to know that I have only a certain amount of time where I can participate in such corporate worship. certain amount of time. And I want to get the most out of it, but I want to put the most into it so that God will allow me to experience His truth and His presence in such a way that I'll be different when I leave. We're going to talk about the experience in a moment, but it, isn't that a, a lofty goal? Sunday morning, Sunday morning, you've got about an hour. I know, preacher gets long every now and then, but roughly an hour. An hour. Sunday night, we've got approximately an hour. What are you saying, Andy? Not hour tonight? What? Andy's giving me the sign. No, not an hour. We're going... Approximately an hour. Approximately an hour on Wednesday. I know three hours, that, that seems... But isn't that a precious small amount of time? And, and, and to come together and, and to know, hey, when I'm going, I'm not just going physically. I'm not just going to sit there and, 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 and occupy a pew. But it's going to be a moment when I am coming together spiritually with my brothers and sisters. And I want to see God do something and see His purpose fulfilled. It... it Shouldn't there be a, a, an attitude of excitement, an attitude of anticipation? Shouldn't there be an attitude of gratitude 
when you leave the place because you are spiritually bound together. It says that they are of one heart. They've got one purpose. They're coming together in one soul. From my reading this week, it says in the New Testament world, especially the Gentile world, that would have read this, Dr. Luke probably would have aimed this toward, that the Gentiles really appreciated fellowship and the idea of connection and the idea of relationship and how this would have appealed (laughs) to know that there was a church, there was a group of people at least, an assembly, a gathering, that would come together physically but also that they would share together spiritually that that would appeal to the Gentiles of the New Testament day. You know what? I I just believe it also would appeal to the individuals in our communities today to know that there's one authentic, true, genuine place where individuals love one another and they're united in a common purpose, in a common bond to make a difference for the kingdom of God. And that that bond is so strong that it cannot be broken because it has been sealed by the blood of God's Son Himself. I think that's still appealing to people. To know this is a place where you can find such relationships. Well, the church gathered. The church gathered and then the church reflected. Reflected upon God's greatness and goodness and then reflected upon their own dependence. Notice what they say here. They come, they report, they tell, the, tell them what's happened and how the chief priests and elders, how they had threatened them and how the things had gone. And notice it says that as they prayed, again with one accord, they said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the mouth of your servant David have said, Why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Now, Lord, look on their threats. Grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and the signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. With one accord, they come to God in prayer And they reflect for a moment on God's greatness, on God's work. Now, that early church had really seen God's work, had they not? I mean, in those days leading up to this, they had seen God's Spirit poured out. They had seen people experience salvation. They had seen healing. They had seen so much of the work of God. So here they are reflecting on God's greatness on His majesty, and they even, they even proclaim Him to be the Lord who made heaven and earth, the Creator God Himself. They reflect upon Him. You know, sometimes, 
sometimes for us to get our perspectives right, for us to get um, our hearts where they should be, probably all we need to do is reflect upon God's greatness and goodness. I, I constantly say this, is that if we could see the majesty and glory of God in our services, in our worship experiences, and I do think we'd see that, it naturally leads us to a place of humility and dependence upon Him. And it helps us recognize He is awesome. It, it, hey, we are together in this because He is an awesome God. They've seen all His works. They had seen all the things He was doing in that early church. And yes, they had heard the threats of the religious rulers but they also knew that God was working even through those religious rulers to affect His purpose and His plan. Notice He says, He says, um, they say basically that God was continuing to fulfill the prophecy, even the prophecy of David. Remember in Psalm 2, many see this as a messianic psalm. These words are penned as... The Holy Spirit spoke through David, said, Why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against His Christ. Notice they say the fulfillment of that in verse 27 has come through God's own plan and work and purpose, and God knew what was going to happen. And all of these religious leaders, and, and even the earthly leaders like Herod and Pontius Pilate, even they had to bow before the ultimate sovereignty of God. They thought they were, they thought they were affecting their own will and their own plan. They thought that they could control things and destroy the people of the way, could destroy Jesus. But yet what these individuals, what these believers recognized in this prayer was, God in His sovereignty was continuing to work it was one of those Romans 8, 28 things, right? All things he was working for his glory and for their good. That's what they were, he, was, he was doing. And they recognized that God was so great in such a way that he was just working his plan to fulfill. They recognized his greatness even in the most difficult days. I admit to you that I can have some difficult days. How about you? Would you be willing to confess that? I mean, there are days when I see things and I think, what in the world is going on? I experience difficulty in my family. I experience difficulty in uh, my ministry. I, I experience all kinds of difficulty that come in my life. Now, I'm, I say that, I'm more blessed than so many others. I'm so much more blessed that God has spared me from some of the difficulty and trials and tribulations of others. But I recognize, too, there are difficulties that come in my life, just like they come in yours. You know what is comforting? And I think we learn this from this passage. Is that even in our difficulties... 
even in some of the trials and tribulations we face, we can still see God in his greatness. And you know, when I begin to see God kind of like Isaiah saw him in Isaiah 6, high and lifted up on the throne, it makes all of those seeming difficulties, it, it, it makes all of those things fade into the background when I've gained the proper perspective of who my God is. And here they are, about to deal with rulers who said, hey, you can't go preach. You're a preacher. That's what you were assigned to do, right? Jesus says, you're to be my witness. So all you got to do is go out and witness. And that's what Jesus said, and then the rulers come up and say what? You can't witness. You see any problem? A witness they can't witness. So what do they do again? They pray and they say, hey, God, you're great. They recognize that first. You're great and you're so great that you can take the most difficult and you can, make, you can take some of the most stubborn leaders that we find and you can use them to bring about your purpose and plan. So... They look at this, they recognize his greatness, and then what do they do? They recognize their dependency. I mean, that's really what prayer is, isn't it? An expression of dependence. And here, he said, they say, Now, Lord, look on their threats. Grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and the signs and what. In other words, everything that we need to do we're going to have to accomplish through you. And, and we need you to move in our lives. We recognize that as we come together. So here they are. They're reflecting, yes, on God's greatness. But then they also reflect upon their own dependency and say, God, we, we've got to have you in this. And see, I think that's where we have to come back constantly and recognize the dependency that we have upon him. Telling the staff this week that even even your pastor that stands here, there are days that I begin to I, I begin to find dependence in other things. <laughs> I look at all of the great things. Look, I look at the staff that God has given us as a church. Tremendous staff. The people I work with, I thank God for every day because God has given them a passion he has also given them the skill set he has given them so much that they can lead and help and see things done for the kingdom so that's great and I give God gratitude for it I mean I, I say again I come in I look at this place and, and uh, see the resources we have and I'm so thankful for it don't, don't hear an ungrateful heart here I am so thankful that I can come and we can gather. We have a place big enough to where we can gather. We have a, a place, a journey place, where you can walk down. And if you walk down here at 745, you'll see somebody like Charlie Pippen and Bar Bob Myers jumping and on the, on the slide and stuff. Just stick around. You'll see it happen. You never know what you see. It's wonderful to have those things. Wonderful. My kids love it. I'm grateful for those things. I'm grateful for the way God provides for us. 
But we must never become so dependent upon facilities and resources and staff and everything else that we forget that our power and our true energy comes from God. We have to come as a people and say, God, yes, you are great, and we are absolutely dependent. Because you know what? It is only God who brings ultimate transformation in people's lives. He uses us. He uses his resources. But it's only God that can really bring about change. It's only God that can bring salvation to a person's life and heart. He can use the message. But it's only God. And I think there has to be that expression. And and they just call out to him. They say, we need you. God, you're seeing what's happening, but we're praying that you will work through us. So the church gathered and the church reflected. Very briefly, notice here, the church experienced. The church experienced. Verse 31 says, And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. Did you hear that? There was a physical manifestation of God's presence. That place was shaken. It was as though God said, just so you know, I heard what you prayed. I'm with you. And just so that nobody would mistake it, I, I, I'm just going to kind of just shake it just a little bit. There, don't, don't get worried. I'm going to take care of it. But I'm going to shake the place just a little bit so you'll know that it's me. Because some of you, you'll go out there and say, man, that was a great motivational speech by Peter. He was awesome. He was on it today with that sermon. Peter just moved me. God said, I don't want you to give credit to Peter on this. I want you to do something in your life where you know it's got to be me. And thus, they experienced this manifestation of God's Spirit. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. Oh, but I thought they already had the Holy Spirit. Yes, the Holy Spirit had already come, had already descended. So what does this feeling mean? Well, we're going to, one of these days, work it out more about how it's not how much of Him that we have, because we get all of Him the day we're saved. It's how much of us He has, certainly. But there's a special manifestation of the Spirit here, of the Holy Spirit as He shakes this place, and people know that the Spirit of God is working, and they spoke the Word of God with boldness. So they experienced God. You ever been in a worship service where you knew beyond a shadow of a doubt God had worked? It was as though he, he didn't, may not have physically have shaken the place, but he got a hold of it pretty hard. And you knew when you left. I mean, don't you long for those moments? Not that everybody, but, but that you know And that that moment is shared with your fellow believers? Don't you long for God's presence to be so manifest in His own way? I mean, not a way that we would even choose, but in His own way. That we would be encouraged to go out and to make a difference. The place was shaken. The experience was had. But I want you to see, as you read through these verses, 
the experience of the gathered church was translated into the experience of the sent church. That is, the experience of that worship service made such a difference that it made that they experienced God daily in their conversations and in their actions. Because God didn't call us just to gather in a holy huddle, did he? He called us to gather in one accord, reflect, experience him. But then when we leave, we experience him still in our daily lives. And notice that worship experience transforms the daily experience. It said that when they left, they spoke the word of God with boldness. With boldness. So, prayerfully and hopefully, when you experience a worship service and you see God's work in your life and you see transformation, when you leave that place, somehow, God ought to take that experience and use it in your life so that you might speak in a bold manner for Him. It ought to be an encouraging time, an inspiring time where God will work in your life. And not only that, but they experienced it in the way they served and they shared other, with other individuals. I don't have much time to unfold this, but I'm just going to read this tonight to you. Look in verse 32, beautiful picture of this early church. It says, Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own. But they had all things in common. They shared all things here. And with great power the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. Nor was there anyone among them who lacked. For all who were possessors of lands or houses sold them. And brought the proceeds of the things that were sold. And laid them at the apostles feet. And they distributed to each as anyone had need. This was not a compulsory act. This was not a mandatory obligation of the early church. As you'll see later that they'll herald Barnabas for his voluntary act. It wasn't that anybody said, this is what you got to do. Everybody's got to bring your bank accounts in. We got, that's not what they did. It was just simply that they came together. And that worship and the continued gathering of God's people had made it so that they wanted to do what they could to help their fellow believers in particular and serve and minister to them. I know I've said this, but hey, it's been almost a year. I can say something twice now, right? I've been working on this. But I really believe, as I read through the book of Acts, God is all for us helping and assisting and serving unbelievers and nations. Yes, He is. I believe it. Yes. So hear me say that clearly to say, before I say what I'm about to say. Okay? God's for us helping unbelievers and others. But I'm going to say to you that when I read the book of Acts, I see that He says that we ought to especially help our brothers and sisters of Christ. I, I would even, I'd even venture to say as I see the testimony of Christ, 
that they should receive priority of our help. Because if we can't take care of our brothers and sisters in Christ, how in the world are we going to reach the community and the nations? But see, this experience that they had wasn't just Sunday morning coming in and saying, hey man, it was great to see you. But it was one of those experiences that when I saw you on Monday and when I saw you on Tuesday and when I saw you on Wednesday, I wanted to know how you were doing and the things that were happening in your life. And, and if I needed to help in some way or assist you, you know what? God's called me to be a part of that family. I'm there for you. And what part of any family that, was, that a family that was going through, let's say, financial issues, what part of any family wouldn't say, hey, I'm here for the family? If I got to go out and mow some yards, if I go go out and take care of some other things, I may only be 17, but I'm here to help my family and I want to see them do better. How many of us then in our family, our spiritual family, shouldn't step up and say, God, what can I do to help them? And see, it just permeated their lifestyle. That they wanted to help and assist Take care of one another. Again, with this idea that the great power of the great power of God had come upon them so that they could witness and they could share. They were sharing together as anyone had need, and they were sharing with the others who had not even come to a saving knowledge of Christ. So I just say to you, worship experience translated into daily experience. If we come on Sunday morning or we come on Sunday night and Wednesday and all we, do, all we do with it when we leave here is say, good day, good message, good to see so-and-so today. If that's all it is, the worship experience has fallen short of God's glory and God's intention. Because what God is wanting us to do is yes, experience Him in the gathering, in that moment of fellowship, worship. But He wants us in our reflection and in our prayer, in our sense of dependency, He wants us to leave that place and help others, serve others, and share the glorious grace of Christ. That's what God wants to do in our lives. Let's pray together. Father, we bless your name. We praise you for allowing us to be a part of this family, this people. And God, it's a privilege. It's an opportunity. And God, we pray that as we are faithful in our relationships here, that, Lord, great power and strength would come over us and that we would experience you in worship in such a way that, Lord, we would testify boldly of you before our community, before our families, before our friends. God, we pray that tonight that we have been faithful to you today in our worship and that we have been united not only physically but spiritually together.
God, when we go tomorrow, when we go tonight and tomorrow into this community, into this world around us, may we be such a mighty army of witnesses that individuals can't help but hear the good news you've given us. God, speak to us, use us, continue to help us be a New Testament church. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand tonight as we have this?